0: You are Locked On MLB, your daily MLB podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, baseball fans. Welcome to Locked On MLB, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. This is the daily podcast where we talk about all of Major League Baseball. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. It's the last day of July, which is usually a big day in baseball. And today I'm going to be talking about, well, the rules that seem to be changing on the fly. One that's coming up that I actually am okay with. And the fact that I'm still not okay with how extra innings are being played. And this is an interesting weekend to test my new fandom. You can listen to the show on the free and easy-to-use Himalaya podcasting app. We're also available wherever you get your podcasts. And if you are staying at home during these trying times, please tell your smart device to play podcast Locked On MLB or check out some of the other great shows on the Lockdown On Podcast Network, including Locked On Fantasy Baseball with Scott Cullen. Follow us on Instagram at Locked MLB. We're on Twitter at Lockdown On underscore net. I'm your pal Sully. I'm at Sully Baseball on Twitter. Sully Baseball Podcast on Instagram. Hey, Folks, I have been critical of the new extra inning rules, and I will remain critical of the new extra inning rules. First of all, they don't seem to be speeding much of anything, and I maintain that it takes away one of the aspects of extra innings that is particularly thrilling, which is getting that runner on getting that position, you know, each baseball game, like everything in the universe is a series of chain reactions this happens, and then this happens, and then this happens there's there's a line of chain reactions, and how you react to it and how you act to it, and how you prepare for it, and how you see it unfold is how reality exists, and you react differently as a pitcher if you have a runner in scoring position as opposed to not having a runner in scoring position and every time you see a ball game and you say hey what happened in the game and the final score was 3-2, to 5-3, to three, whatever it was you describe the chain reaction of events that take place that cause the final score to happen. And I just feel that starting with a second grade ghost runner on second base to start an inning off sort of takes away from the flow and the narrative of an extra inning game. The pitcher has to pitch in a way that they know a blue pit would score a run. I'd almost listen to starting with a runner on first because at least you have to Oh, I don't know, get into scoring position. Now, what happened between San Francisco and San Diego was a thrilling game until it got to extra innings. Now, as it turned out, the Padres absolutely clobbered the Giants in extra innings. They scored six runs in the top of the 10th. The Giants could only answer with one run, which was a shame in a way because the Giants had a furious comeback scoring three in the seventh and two in the eighth that made up for a, you know, they were down, what was it, they were down six to one going to the seventh and they came storming back. But now all anyone's going to remember is the disastrous 10th inning. Well, I'm not saying that the runner on second caused the Padres to score six runs in that inning. Obviously, they didn't put six runners on base to start. But it just feels like the picture pitches differently, the vibe is different, and, and I don't find it more exciting. It just feels cheap. And it doesn't seem to move it along any faster. I I stand by what you do is this. I stand by you make it a tie after 12. You know, make, make it happen after 12. After 12, I get... I get why you don't want to burn pitchers out and everything like that. I also stand by the rule that I came up with, which no, didn't seem to catch on because they don't consult me on these things. But instead of doing the three-pitcher limit or the you have to face three batters or whatever it is, you give each manager, they have to turn in a lineup card, and with the lineup card, here are the four pitchers that you're allowed to use in the nine innings. Four pitchers. You know, if the starter goes nine, great. If the starter goes eight, then you have three pitches you can deal with in the ninth inning. If the pitcher gets bombed in the first, well, what are you going to do? What are you going to do in that particular situation? I think that makes more sense. Of course, some of these rules are difficult to you know follow because they're brand new rules, and we saw that Gabe Kapler the dim manager of the San Francisco Giants didn't quite know all the visiting the mound rules that have been going on because he messed up at one point he came out after the pitching coach came out and they had to leave the pitcher and the poor schmuck pitcher who had already left the game and was probably taking off his uniform had to run back in and you know to work his way out of the jam. didn't quite work out that well. I'm still not a fan. I got a couple of tweets from people saying, like, hey, I know a lot of people who like it. I'm sure you do. I i don't know. It just feels wrong. It feels like it takes, it takes the air out of the game. Everyone seems to be rooting to see it be nine innings or nothing. And, oh man, that just... When you take away the anticipation for extra innings, that's an issue. Now... That being said, the union and the commissioner's office seem to be kicking the can around about the concept of having doubleheaders be seven innings in for the 2020 season. And I, if this is a rule that is just for the season, then your Palisoli is all for it. I think it's a smart thing to do. There's going to be a tremendous amount of making up for games in this 2020 season already I mean look at the Miami Marlins who are of course become the you know the the typhoid Mary of this whole thing they've only played three games lest we forget the the Marlins are waiting for their fourth game and they played well the first three games they had a positive run differential and they took two out of three from Philadelphia oh by the way the Phillies have only played three games The Yankees have only played five games, and I bet they're hoping all of them are against the Baltimore Orioles. The last time the Yankees beat the Orioles, I'm sorry, I should rephrase that, (laughs) the last time the Yankees beat the Orioles was about uh, an hour and a half ago. The last time the Orioles beat the Yankees, the third baseman was Brooks Robinson. Now that's not true, but for a moment you thought, is that true? because it sure seems that way. The Yankees have only played five games. They're going to have to make up a bunch of games. They're a bunch, a bunch of games. And you know what? If you're going to have to cram a bunch of doubleheaders in here, then I get the seven-inning doubleheader. Here's the question, though. Here is the question. Let's say you know, the Marlins have to double up and do a bunch of seven-inning doubleheaders. But what if the game is tied Do they go into extra innings? Is extra innings the 8th inning? And if the extra innings are the 8th inning, do they put the runner in at 2nd base to start the 8th? I don't know the answer to that. They probably already said it. But I think that I I get this concept. Not that those 2 innings are going to matter all that much, but it's a 60-game season. A lot of strange things can happen. And... Teams like the Marlins and who are you know, they have some young talent on it. They haven't exactly blossomed yet. But if they play well in a thirty game stretch, all of a sudden you find yourself looking at this team, are they gonna be surprised on this short season? I'm all for the seven inning doubleheader, provided we make it clear when extra innings begin. It'd be weird to think of the eighth inning as an extra inning, but I'm much more open to the concept of a seven-inning doubleheader than starting the ghost runner on second. It just seems less dumb. Maybe I'm getting stressed out. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. And let me tell you, I can't get stressed out. It doesn't matter if you're a prolific podcaster like myself or a professional athlete. Everybody needs support to make it through the day. Now luckily, I've got friends at CBDMD, and they have an amazing duo that can help you relax, regroup, and recharge when life gets chaotic, let me tell you about them. You have CBD Freeze with Menthol, it's an award-winning product that offers instant cooling relief for muscles and joints in a convenient and easy-to-use roller or shareable squeeze tube. Then you got CBD Recover. That combines CBD with inflammation-fighting compounds like Arnica and Vitamin B6 to give you the support that you need where it matters the most. And to make it easier to try this amazing duo of topicals and everything else CBD MD has to offer, they're giving our listeners a 25% off your next order if you use the promo code LOCKEDONMLB at checkout. Once again, that's CBDMD.com, promo code LOCKEDONMLD, for 25% off your purchase for superior CBD oil products from CBDMD. Let's talk about my car, let's talk about rockauto.com. Let me tell you something, I'm not going to change stores, they've got different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers like myself. RockAuto.com's prices are the same for everybody and are reliably low. RockAuto.com always offers the lowest prices possible rather than changing prices based on what the market has to bear like airlines do. RockAuto.com is for everybody and does not require membership or account login. They have everything from engine control modules to brake parts, tail lamps, motor oils, even new carpets. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. Go to RockAuto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write LOCKED ON in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. This is an interesting weekend for your pal Sully because it's going to be the first real test of this experiment I'm doing as a baseball fan, lifelong New England, I'm a native New Englander, lifelong Red Sox fan, the Red Sox are playing the Yankees. Now, I'm not going to pretend I'm not going to care. I'm not going to pretend I'm not going to peek in. I'm not going to pretend I'm not going to watch. But it doesn't have the same, I don't know, spark for me that it used to. Especially since I've felt myself drifting away from the Red Sox and I've embraced my new team, the Seattle Mariners. And let me tell you something. I had a moment where I was listening to the Mariners game on Thursday night. And it was a tight game until... The uh, ninth inning, the the Mariners scored five runs in the ninth inning, and Shed hit a home run in to start off the to start off the scoring. And I found myself, you know, saying, "Oh my God, Shed! That's his name, Shed Long Jr." Because if your name is Shed Long. You're darn right you're going to name your child Shed Long Jr., because you want the name Shed Long to be passed on from generation to generation. And I found myself saying he took him to the woodshed. And I tweeted that out. And they went on a nice rally and scored the five runs. And they wound up needing him because the bullpen was a little bit shaky and let up three Angels runs in the ninth, but it turned out to be an 8-5 win for the Seattle Mariners and was their first series win of the year and the first series win of my fandom and it's interesting because the Astros got off to a tremendous start but then they lost Verlander for you know, however long it is there's a little bit of a scrum only two games in the loss column separate first place from last place in the West now it is absurd To look at standings at this point, except when you consider there's only 60 games. We are, for you know, the Mariners, and yeah, I just referred to the Mariners, so we are more than one tenth of the way through the season. More than one tenth of the way through the season. And it's interesting because January 31st is usually a big checkpoint for baseball teams. It's usually the year where it's the trade deadline. It's usually the time of year where teams have to really make that big decision to say, are we going to go for it or not? Because we only have about two months left to this season. And then that's it. And usually that's when you go down the stretch. Well, guess what? That part is still accurate. There's only about two months left to this season. But we've only played about a week worth of games. So what has happened in the post-July part of the season is still intact. It's still there. We just don't have all of the build-up to this. It's kind of like the runner on second base. That now we're in that situation. We got stretch time. It's only about there's less than sixty games left to play. Time's running out. you got to make a call. Are you a contender or not? And everyone's looking around and saying, like, well, geez, I don't know. We, we just started. Well, we took away 102 of the games, so now we're just playing stretch time. Let's make a call. Let's make a run for it. And maybe that's one reason why I'm not a fan of the runner on seconds, because it feels like, okay, let's eliminate all the things that make you earn yourself at this point, and now just have the part where someone has to be driven home. Well, we're going to have to see. Only the, It's still the same amount of time towards the end of the season. We just don't know what any of the teams are. And when you consider that, and when you consider you've got a division where everything's clumped together, that could make it interesting if they ever get to the end of the season. And so I find myself looking at the Mariners and say, what happened? I mean, they got off to a bad start, but then they you know, they won a game against the Astros, and they took a few from the Angels. And now, they are going to go off this weekend, and you're going to see them play the A's, who are normally a team I've rooted for. I've obviously not been my favorite team, but I, certainly in 2014, I was cheering for them like crazy. I was cheering for them like crazy in the wild card game this last year. And the Mariners are going to play them. And it will be interesting. The Red Sox are going to be playing the Yankees. That should be interesting as well. The Yankees are going to have to play someone who's not the Orioles, and that may not be as simple. Going around the league, you're going to see the Cardinals and the Brewers play. You're going to see the Braves and the Mets with Rick Porcello, who looked really, really terrible his first game with the Mets, but as someone who follows the Red Sox, I can tell you, there are two stages of Porcello. There's Cy Young contender Porcello, and there's the, oh my God, how is he still in the league, Porcello. Which one are you going to get? Newcomb is pitching for the Braves. He's a good pitcher. Reds and Tigers are playing each other. Uh, is it my imagination, or do they just play each other? I don't know what to say. You got the Rays and the Orioles. Are the Orioles playing again? What's happening with the Rays? Snell is pitching for Tampa. Remember, he won the Cy Young Award a couple of years ago. does that feel strange? Baltimore, who just got spanked by the Yankees, are going to be playing Tampa. We'll see what happens there. Dallas Keuchel, who looked quite quite, quite good. His first outing with the White Sox are going up against the Royals. We'll see if the White Sox can turn things around a little bit as they're off to a slightly stumbling start. Now, everyone in their moose picked the Minnesota Twins to win the American League Central, and they have won for four of their first six games. But the Cleveland Indians, who've had unbelievable pitching, especially Shane Bieber's had two terrific starts, and Carlos Carrasco, the feel-good story, he's been terrific. Clevenger, who's been quite critical of the whole starting a runner on second base, is going to be starting for the Cleveland Indians. You have the San Diego Padres are going to be playing the Colorado Rockies. It is going to be thin air in Colorado. And the The Padres have looked terrific, save for their bullpen. Their bullpen's not been great, but their starting pitch has been terrific. Their bats have been really good, and maybe they can lean on their starting pitch. In fact, I'm going to make a prediction. The starting pitcher for Friday night with San Diego is Garrett Richards, and I predict he is going to throw the first no-hitter in the history of the San Diego Padres. Write that down. Bet your money on it. Pirates and the Cubs are going to be squaring off. Hugh Darvish is going to be pitching. Didn't look too good his first outing. We'll see what happens there. Mike Trout is on paternity leave. Good for him. There's a little Trout. There's a little baby Trout now. And the Angels will have to be playing the Astros. Lance McCullers Jr. and is going to be pitching for the Angels. And this is already an important series. Because there's only about there's fewer than 60 games left. And you can't afford to have a bunch of losing streaks with that few games left to play. The Angels, the Astros, we'll see how that turns out. The Giants are going to be playing the Rangers. And we're not 100% sure who's going to be pitching for the Giants as their starting staff. And their entire pitching staff looks a little bit beleaguered especially after the long extra inning game with the San Diego Padres. I mentioned the Mariners and the A's, the D-backs and the Dodgers. The Dodgers look really good so far. They're going to be playing. And, of course, the Champs, the Nats, are scheduled to play the Marlins, but no one's playing the Marlins. And pretty soon, the if, if the Marlins ever get clear to play again, then there's going to be a bunch of seven-inning games. So enjoy the weekend. I will check in on Red Sox-Yankees, but I'm mainly concerned about Mariners-A's because if you're clumping all those teams together and we're in the down-the-stretch period of a normal season, the more wins you can get, the better off you're going to be. It seems basic, but that could be what's happening in this 60-game season. So go to the free and easy to use Himalaya podcasting app and follow us at all the places I mentioned up top. This has been Locked On MLB for the 31st day of July 2020. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully.